0: Hey, we're in our first week of Advent and the word Advent means arrival. And we are waiting on the arrival of Jesus. And today we're talking about hope, that Jesus brings hope, that he is our hope. And one of the things about hope is that it involves waiting. And one of the things about us is we hate waiting. As a matter of fact, I was looking at some some things about how long would you be willing to wait? How long would you be willing to wait? And these are just like bench lines uh, for for people's threshold on how long they'd be willing to wait. How long you'd be willing to wait for a meal? The threshold's 30 minutes, Uh, 588 people surveyed at this uh, survey by tasting table. And they said 30 minutes that people would Make a decision on whether they'd eat at a restaurant or not based on whether they would wait on 30 minutes. And that's why we, we like fast food. We like Chick-fil-A. They've championed the drive-in and, and going through there. And, and that's why we go to QT. They've got the rollers. You don't have to wait at all. They're not good for you. And we could debate on whether they're good at all. But uh, people, people do it. Uh, and, and QT has figured that out, that people don't want to wait, so they'll grab stuff. What about in traffic? How long would you be willing to wait in traffic? The threshold was one hour. One hour that that people, if they were going to an event, if it was one hour, they would do it. They wouldn't change anything. But if it was more than an hour, they would change everything. Their route, uh, they would go earlier, they would stay later. This even uh, goes into when people go to work that people decide, well, if I'm gonna be caught in traffic, it's gonna be more than an hour. Well, I'll just go early and earlier and I'll leave earlier. Or I'll, if I'm at work and it's five o'clock and I know traffic's gonna be bad, I'll just stay and work longer rather than sit in traffic. And so we have this, this, this threshold. What about on hold? Man, we love waiting on hold, don't we? We just love that, we're just waiting on hold. And I thought this was interesting that uh, the threshold was all over the map here. That 32% of people said they would not wait at all on hold. 32, that's crazy. One to five minutes, 30%. Five to 10, 6%. And then as long as it takes, 4%. But the part that I thought was interesting was the group that was willing to wait the least was 18 to 24-year-olds. Because they have a culture and a world where... Really don't have to wait much. I thought it was interesting. And then lastly, was like, the, how long are you willing to wait in the emergency room? Which I didn't know there was an option. But anyway, how long are you willing to wait? There was a survey done uh, by in the medical field. It was called WBL, Wait Before Leaving. And two hours, the threshold, fifty percent, fifty-one percent of people said they'd wait two hours two to eight hours, it dropped down to 17%. I don't know where you're going, but people were like, I'm not waiting. They're gonna go somewhere else and do something else. And then indefinitely, people would wait indefinitely at 32%. And the truth is that we hate waiting. We all hate waiting. We, we stand in lines at Walmart and we're constantly looking to see which lane's faster. You get in that lane, honey, and I'll get here. And if that was faster, I'll bring my stuff to you. We do this. And if we end up being faster than the guy beside us, we feel like we've won the day just because we didn't have to wait as long as they did. We go to amusement park. We, we stand in line and we're sweating to death. And there's this sign that says one hour from this point. And that's either hopeful or that's hurtful. I'm not sure what it is. I, I've always thought uh, that really, go- hell would be waiting in line for eternity that and just sweating to death that would be that would be crazy but anyway we just don't want to wait and I bring all that up that sometimes we don't want to wait on God we don't want to wait on God and it's hard because a lot of times when we're waiting on God really when we're waiting in general we lose hope and that's the story today is that the promises that Jesus was coming that God was about to do something. And so many times we're not willing to wait. The Bible's broke up in two parts. The Old Testament, 39 books. The New Testament, 27 books. The Old Testament's the old covenant where there were promises that God was gonna do something different, that he was sending a king, that he was gonna right all the wrongs, that that he was gonna be the deliverer of hope through this new king. And the New Testament we know is the king is Jesus. And we see how he changed the world, that he changed lives, that he saved people, that he was the bringer of hope, that he, he himself was hope. And we see in this, even to this day, the church being this place of hope. But I think it's interesting that in Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, He says, look, I'm sending my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. Meaning God said, I'm sending a messenger and I'm coming too. He's preparing the way before me. He says, then the Lord you're seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant, whom you so eagerly look for is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And that was in Malachi 3.1. And you know, Malachi makes this, proclamation that things aren't really going well in their culture. He said, hey, the king's coming, the messenger is coming, but the king's coming right behind him, and the people are going wild, going wild, going crazy. And then guess what happens? Nothing. Not for a day. Not for a year. Nothing happens for 400 years. 400 years from Malachi until Jesus comes on the scene. 400 years. 400 years of no word from God, no signs given, no miracles recorded, no prophets. 400 years of just simply waiting and hoping. You know, our lives are like that a lot of times. We're waiting on God. We're hoping. What do you do? You know, a lot of times we think that Following Jesus means that we're never going to have to wait or bad things are going to happen to us or we're not going to have seasons where there's difficulty. So how do you have hope in the waiting? I'm going to give you four ways real quick, four ways, how to have hope in the waiting. And the first is this, is you welcome the process. You welcome the process, realizing that our lives, following Jesus, is a life of waiting, that we're waiting on God, Following Jesus is a life of waiting, that he's never late, but he's often not on our schedule, that he's often not on our time. And so we welcome the process knowing that God does his best work in a crock pot, not a microwave. Sometimes things are instantaneous, but most of the time it takes time. And uh, the scripture in Isaiah, Isaiah 40, 31, I love the scripture. It says, Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Man, I love that. That is just such a great, a great promise. But you know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say when. It says they will. It doesn't say when. And we want to know when and we want it to be now. And a lot of times it's not now that we welcome the process that, man, there are times where we are going to be waiting, waiting on God to move, waiting on God to act, waiting on God to do something in our life. And we're just simply waiting. And we hold on to hope because we welcome that this is part of the process. In Hebrews 11, 1, it says that faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. They haven't happened yet, but we're hoping they are. And several years ago, uh, uh, when my kids were little, uh, we were playing baseball at City Pond. And Micah was, he was five or six years old and we were playing. And, and you know, we, as parents, we take those games real serious. And they were fun times. The games are usually like 26, 25. They were slugfest, they were fun. Uh, but every now and then you'd be playing a game and your kid would be, your team would be getting beat. And I remember this one game that Micah was turned around during the game and he was looking at the scoreboard. And because I was a great dad, I yelled at him, turn around, this is important, turn around, pay attention. And uh, and, and he paid attention for a while. And then turn, finally I looked again and he's staring at the scoreboard. And finally I yelled out, I said, what are you doing? And this is what he said. And I'll never forget, he didn't say runs, but he, he looked at me and he said, we were getting killed. He said, only 16 more points till we catch up. And in my mind, we're never catching up, but he had hope. He had hope in the waiting. And so we welcome this process that, man, we are going to be hopeful in our waiting, in our waiting for God to move and act. And the second thing is this, is we remember God's promises. We remember God's promises and if you Google how many promises there are of God, uh, there's a bunch of different answers. 7,000 is one of the answers that comes up a lot and you may wanna do this. And so let's just say that there's 7,000. Some have more than that, some have less. Let's say 7,000. Let me ask you a question. How many promises of God can you remember right now? Because to have hope in the waiting, you gotta remember the promises of God. Sometimes God's promises are all we have? Are all we have to hold on to? And so I'm going to give you—I'm going to give you six real fast. One: God cares. He cares about you. First Peter five seven says to cast all your cares upon Him because He cares about you. He cares about you. I feel like this is one of the biggest uh, lies of the enemy is that God doesn't care about you. So quit hoping, quit waiting on Him, and that's not true. Second is that God loves you. That God loves you. John three sixteen: God loves. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, that God loves you unconditionally. So you keep hoping, you keep waiting because God loves you. The third is this, is that God is with you. Hebrews 13.5 says that he never leaves us or forsakes us. And I want to talk to you about this for a second. I went and saw a woman who was going to die She's terminal. We're all terminal, but hers is more close. And I was listening to her talk and she was so angry and so bitter. And this went on for about 30 minutes of just about everything that was wrong and bad. And I didn't try to correct her. I felt like, you know, she's probably earned the right to have this attitude right now. But finally, when I got up to leave, I said, hey, I'm getting ready to leave. I said, but I want to tell you one thing before I do. And she said, what's that? And I said, God has not forgotten you. And when I said it, she started to weep. And she said, it feels like he has. And then I started to weep. And I got to share this verse with her. That Jesus said, I'll never leave you forsake you. And if you're out there today, man, listen. He's with you. That that is one of the promises of whatever you're going through. If you're waiting and you feel like you've just been waiting and waiting and waiting, listen, he's with you. If you're in a storm, you're in a season that's not going your way, he's with you. If you're looking for him to move or act, he is with you. The next one is that he's working in you. Philippians 1, 6 says that he who began a good work in you, he is faithful to, com- to complete it, that he's working in your life. Number five is that God hears your prayers. In 1 John 5, 14 and 15, it talks about that that God hears our prayers, that your prayers aren't hitting the ceiling. He's listening to them, and then finally he forgives you. First John 1, 9 says, He is faithful and just to cleanse us and forgive us of all unrighteousness. And so I say that you got to hold on to these promises because sometimes that's all you got. You, you, and you hold on to them because God is faithful. And how do I know this? Because. In 1 Peter 1, 3, it says, All praise to God, the Father, Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because, because, because. God raised Jesus from the dead. See, when God raised Jesus from the dead, everything else is on the table. If God hadn't raised Jesus from the dead, then nothing else is on the table. But it's all on the table. All the promises are true. You can count on every one of them because he raised Jesus from the dead. He's given us life and hope. This supernatural thing that happened, this supernatural Jesus Christ rose up from the dead because of the power of God given us life and hope. And so you hold on to those promises. The third is you adjust your expectations. We hear this, this phrase, lower your expectations. I'm not saying that to lower them. I'm saying that we have to adjust them. We are all in the process of waiting, that, that we we have seasons in our life that are difficult. We have moments that we don't like. We have things that have happened to us that we wished happened. We have things that haven't happened to us that we wished had. And so it's all of just our adjusting our expectations. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna read you uh this scripture. It says, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. I love this part, it says, rejoice in confident hope. Yeah, we've got hope, but we're gonna be patient in trouble, meaning there's gonna be troubling times, there's gonna be difficult seasons, there are gonna be things that don't go our way, and we just simply gotta be patient and wait. We're just waiting, waiting, waiting. Like a, the, the, the kids on a trip, when we're going on a trip, and the kids say to you, are we there yet? How much longer? And that's what we just we just keep holding on. It's it's there, we're coming, we're gonna get there and you gotta keep telling yourself. And how do you do that? You keep on praying, you keep praying to God. And then the last one is this, you place your trust in Jesus Christ. And so you welcome the process, you remember God's promises, you adjust your expectations and the last one, you place your trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, I've recently heard that Charles Spurgeon, who's called the, the, the Prince of the Pulpit, the Prince of Pastors, uh, shared his testimony. 280 times and sometimes when I I heard it, sometimes I think that I share mine too much and I've realized that I don't share it enough. That that, And so quickly, I'm gonna share mine. This is why I believe in Jesus. Because I didn't grow up in a Christian home. That my parents got divorced when I was young. My dad had some alcohol issues. My mom and dad were both not in a place that was great spiritually or really even emotionally and at times and especially in that season. But we had a family that reached out to us when we were younger and they told us about Jesus. They took us to church. It was always very patient with us, never really pressing on us. It was funny, I, I tell them I tell my testimony, they would knock on our door and then we'd we would overslept because my parents, my parents didn't go to church, we'd overslept and we'd come to the door and go, we overslept. But they they never got discouraged. They never stopped. They'd come back the next week. They'd call us on the phone sometimes, say, you want to go? And we said, no, I don't want to go this week. They never stopped. They kept kept just very kindly pursuing us in this relationship with God. We'd show up some days. Man, we hadn't showered. We were poor. We didn't even have a car. And they would pick us up, and, man, our clothes didn't match. They never said a word. And I went through that, and they were times where I was believing this stuff and sometimes I wasn't but anyway it came to a point in my life between my junior and my, my sophomore and junior year that I didn't make the all-star team and I was asked to go to this week of camp and I'd love to tell you that I went because I was wanting God to work in my life I went because there was this girl I liked and it was my a friend of mine named Kevin is his cousin she was going I thought she was going I'll try it and I went and and I hooked up with her the camp hook up you know we're holding hands at campfire the first night and you know I was thinking boy this is great And then something even greater happened. I started to listen to the messages. I started to realize that God was pursuing me. That he loved me. See, I wasn't the best looking. I was the smartest. We weren't rich. I wasn't even a great athlete. But I was pursuing those things. I was going to have those things. That was what I was going to do. I had this plan in my life, this job that I was going to do. But it all changed in that moment when I realized that that's not what I wanted. That really what I had hoped for was found in Jesus Christ. I remember the scripture they read. They talked about don't love the world or the things of the world, which that's what I wanted. And then the scripture ends, but the one who does the will of God will live forever. That's what I wanted. I wanted to live forever. I wanted Jesus. And I had this thought of if he would want me, if he would take me as I was, then I'd follow him. And I did. And I placed my trust in him. And the reason why I tell you that is this. He's the one thing I've had going for me my whole life. That in the midst of my sins, my failures, my mistakes, my flaws. That he's never turned his back on me. He is the hope that I've hoped for. Listen, he's the hope you need. There's a scripture here. In Romans 15, 13, it says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Man, I'm asking you to trust in Jesus. Place your trust in him. He's the hope you're looking for. He says, then you will overflow in confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit that God's gonna come in your life. He's gonna live in your life. And in Isaiah seven fourteen 7, 14, it reminds us that this, this prophecy of Malachi, Malachi, did come come to fruition. It says, all right, then the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive the child. She will give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us, that this has been the promise all along that God was gonna send Jesus and he was gonna be with us. And so we place our trust in Jesus. And so I wrote this prayer out and I'm gonna close with it. And I ask you to pray it with me. Jesus, You are the hope that I have hoped for. You died in my place to pay the penalty for my sins. And you rose again and came back to life so that I could have real life. Today, I'm trusting you in my waiting, in my storms, with my troubles, with my sins, I'm trusting you. And if you prayed that prayer today, we'd love for you to reach out to us. We want to help you any way we can. Jesus is your hope. Place your trust in him. And I'm going to pray for you now. Father, thanks for this day. Thanks for allowing us the time to remember who you are, that you're our hope. And Lord, our waiting is not futile, that you are working in our waiting, and we trust you. In Jesus' name. Amen.